What's up, Chicago Bears fans? This is Lester A. Wilson Jr., editor-in-chief of Windy City Gridiron, and this is T-Formation Conversation, coming at you with a special post-game edition as I'm subbing in for our usual post-game show, Robert Schmitz's Bear with me, because Robert is actually at a wedding right now, and I gotta tell you, I'm not a real big drinker, but I could probably use an open bar after watching our Bears, you know, just struggle through that game this afternoon. So let's just dive right in and talk about that disappointing 24-21 to 21 loss to the Oakland Raiders in London, England. The worst part is that that game was right there for the Bears. Uh, it wasn't the best of starts, but the Bears came back. They got a few big plays, and they got themselves right back in the game. They had the lead in the fourth quarter. But it was poor situa- situational awareness in that fourth quarter that stole an opportunity away from these Bears. First off, it was that idiotic running into the punter penalty by Kevin Pierre-Lewis that gave the Raiders some life. And I do not give a damn if he was pushed into the punter, and it looked like he may have been. But he needs to be nowhere near him in that situation. Know what's going on in the game at that time. Late in the fourth quarter, the Raiders were just going to punt the ball away to the Bears. Would have gave them good field position with a chance to run the clock out. There's just no need to be a hero and go for the block in a situation. I'm not sure if that comes if that falls to the uh, special teams coach. Um, I don't I don't think he had the the punt block called at that point. I think that was just Kevin Pierre Lewis trying to make a play, and for whatever reason, one thing led to the other. Uh, he got a little little shove in the back there, and he kind of rolled up on the punter, and they got the penalty, which, of course, led to the Raiders having the, the fourth and one. Uh, they went for the fake, which is a perfect fake situation. At that point, what do you have to lose? Picked it up. Com- they completed the drive and got the touchdown. Then, of course, there was that, that garbage interception from Chase Daniel. And, and, again, I do not give a damn if the wrong route was run by Anthony Miller because that's a pass that never ever should have been thrown. There are at least three Raiders on the sideline there. So Chase Daniel has to know the situation. He has to check it down uh, or, or throw it away and then work the offense in the field goal range. Oh, just just brutal. you know. But, but a football game is 60 minutes, and those were not the only two things that cost the Bears a victory. It was a team loss, plenty of blame to go around from the players, uh, lack of execution uh, to the coaches uh, for the game plan. But before I get into what the Bears did and didn't do, you know, you got to tip your hat to Raider head coach John Gruden because he had his team ready, uh, both sides of the ball, um, and it was excellent execution from his players. Um, I thought his game plan on offense was was particularly well. Uh, a lot of short passes, which is what we knew they were do coming in. Now, that's what they want to do. They run a, a, a classic West Coast offense. They want to get the ball out as quick as possible, uh, and then he ran the ball right down the Bears' throat most of the game. And then on defense, you know, I got a text from a buddy of mine during the game. He thought maybe that since Oakland plays the Chiefs twice a year, that they kind of had an idea of some of the stuff the Bears wanted to do, you know, since, you know, the Andy Reid coaching tree kind of trickles through Chicago with Matt Nagy. So maybe they kind of had a little bit of an edge there, understanding what some of the concepts were that, that Matt Nagy wanted to run. But regardless of the reason, great coaching job by the Raiders, uh, bad coaching job by the Bears. Uh, just a bad overall game from Chicago here. But let, let's go down a few stats here, and I'm going to go to the, to the stat sheet to see exactly uh, some of the stuff that went wrong because, you know, the numbers don't tell you everything, but it tell you a lot of stuff. And the Bears were outgained on the day 398 to 236. Again, uh, what we've seen all year from the Chicago Bears, nothing on offense, no offensive identity. They can't get anything going, and that's how it's been through their three wins and now their two losses. Just a uh, poor execution all around. Uh, no identity. You know, this team should be better than it is in offense. But for whatever reason, and then there's probably plenty of reasons there, but they can't get it going. 
Uh, rushing yards, uh, Bears 42. We already talked about the Raiders just running it down the Bears' throat. 169 yards rushing. And most of them came from rookie Josh Jacobs, who had a fantastic game. Uh, he went over 100 yards, 123 yards, uh, 26 carries, 4.7 yards uh, per, per game there. And then he had two touchdowns on the day. Uh, just utter domination on, on the, in the trenches for the Raiders. They consistently moved the line of scrimmage you know, off, you know, two, three yards every single time. Jacobs had plenty of creases to run. It's just something we don't see in Chicago. We haven't seen that all season long. Chicago's offensive line gets no movement. In fact, they're moved backwards most of the time. I don't want to say that it's just one guy, but you look at what Kyle Long has done through, through the first few games of the year. He is not playing like a guy that should be healthy now, after he had no, no off-season surgery, he had all the, the training camp practices. He didn't miss a practice. Uh, the coach talked about what, it, what a great job he did all year. I, I wrote about it. I thought he would have a fantastic season. You know, again, no, no surgeries to rehab from. But for whatever reason, he's just not the same guy. He had the hip injury a couple weeks ago, and he had to, he had to be uh, held out of a game. So maybe the hip's still bothering him, but he just seems to have no base. He can't anchor. Uh, he's not getting any, any drive in his legs. He still looks like he's... You know, strong up top. Who knows what's going on with Kyle Long, but for whatever reason, he's not getting it done. And then you, you go all the way down the line, and is the Daniels Whitehair switch? Does that have anything to do with anything? I personally don't think it is. I know the first week of the season, it looked like it had some some troubles there. Uh, the Packers exploited some of their uh, their inexperience in their new spots, but you know they haven't been too bad. You know, moving on. Daniels does get pulled back a couple times, but but if you watch him, he's he's more good than bad, and the same with white hair. Uh, the tackle play has been pretty bad this year, i got to say. Bobby Massey has not been able to get his hands on anyone, and he doesn't have the, the quickest of feet. So if he doesn't get his hands on you uh, as a defender, the defender's going to make a play, and we've seen that more often than not this season. And then, of course, left side, Charles Leno Jr. Um, I, I think I saw a, a, a tweet come across. I forget who it was from, but you know he has he's leading the league in penalties this year. He doesn't agree with those, obviously, um, I know the the refs and, and the NFL has kind of decided to, to to make a sticking point going after holding this year, and Charles Leno has been being getting caught quite a bit. He had three more penalties today, um, and then speaking of penalties, the Bears had I think had ten as a team uh, for for seventy five yards, and the Raiders only had six for sixty nine. Uh, but it's, it's those penalties are just the drive killers. You know they're putting the Bears in bad situations, and when your offense is struggling as bad as the Bears offense is, they have to be perfect. You know, you can't make penalties. It's it's not realistic to say because you're going to have some mistakes pop up here and there, but they, they they mount on top of each other when they're one after the other. When when you when you when you have uh, no yards on a first down, you're stuck in, in second and ten, and then all of a sudden you got a penalty, and now you're back even further. And that's just a no-win situation when you have a hard time getting the ball downfield in a passing game. When you have a hard time making any holes at all in the running game. There's just nothing you can do as, as a play caller. And, and speaking of play calls, I'm not sure if this was the best game plan to start off the game from, from, from Coach Matt Nagy, uh, but you got to hand it to him in the second half. Uh, he, he did turn things around. Uh, sure, that was helped out a little bit by the Raiders making some mistakes, uh, but there were some sustained drives there. Um, I thought he had a few creative things done where he, he got some guys open across the middle, but we're just not, not seeing enough of it. And it's a team game. Some of this stuff goes back on Nagy for the play calls. Uh, the game plan leading up to the game. But at the end of the day, football is won and lost in the trenches. And, and the Bears on offense, they're not getting it done. 
they got to figure something out here in the bye week. They got to get things going on here because the offensive line is not all the pass pro, but today's game, the the mistakes I saw, now I haven't gone back and watched the tape yet, but the the four sacks the Bears did allow from my uh, initial observation looked like they were all on the offensive line. Now, some of that could be Chase Daniel not getting the ball out. I talked about it on a few podcasts during this week, but Chase Daniel took nine sacks last year in his two starts. Okay, he, he was sacked at almost twice the rate as Trubisky was last season. Part of it is Trubisky is a little fleeter of foot. He can make those uh, some of those pass rushers miss. But another part of it is, is Chase Daniels just uh, he's not getting the ball out as quick as he should. I know as Bears fans, we saw him last week get the ball quick and get the ball out quick and on rhythm, and that's because he didn't have anyone in his face. If he has a little bit of pressure, he tends he has a tendency to hold on to the ball a little too long. He's not getting it out, so we got to see him uh, and the Bears clean that up here if he is going to be a starting quarterback for at least one more week. And the way Trubisky's shoulder injury is, it's not we're not exactly sure if that's going to be the case or not. So. Uh, let's go through some more quick stats here because we talked about the four sacks that the uh, the Bears gave up, uh, but but also the Bears gave up six tackles for loss. You know the, the Raiders were in living in the Bears' backfield. You know between the four sacks, the six TFLs. You know they kept moving the line of scrimmage backwards. You know even on the Bears' touchdown run, I sent a tweet out where if they would have ran the ball to the to the right side because Kyle Long got blown up on that play. It was luckily the play went to the to the left. Because you know uh, uh, rookie, rookie David Montgomery is able to get in there for the touchdown, but just not a lot of movement. Four sacks, six TFLs. Uh, just frustrating loss uh, for the Bears here. And then, um, but but for the last part of my show here, and I, I don't want to spend too much time here talking to you guys about the loss because we're going to cover so much more at the site at Windy City Gridiron during this week about what happened, what went wrong. Uh, we got two weeks to, to digest this game, so you guys are going to get sick of it. So you know, we're going to remind you guys a little bit of the Packers' loss because we had extra time to talk about it then. But, but we got to do it. We got to go over. It. We got to digest what happened with this exact game here, so we know what's going on. Um, I'm sure the Bears are going to self scout quite a bit, and they're going to try and get some answers here to some of these problems. But for the last part of my show, I want to throw some questions out to Twitter. I want to get your thoughts on what's happening here. Uh, so Aaron, who's at Dick of Punch uh, 187, uh, a longtime uh, WCG guy. He asked, why can't the O-line block? And I touched on a little bit here. I talked about it on my last podcast, and I talked about it you know, at the site a little bit. I just think the offensive line, there's no excuse why a group that was, I thought, a top 10 unit a year ago is going to regress as bad as they did. Part of it is the, the switch at center and guard. You have to get used to what guy what's going on next to you. But part of it is, is just they're not executing. I, I think Charles Leno has taken a step back. Um, I don't want to suggest that it's you know he's a pro bowler a year ago, so he kind of rests on his laurels. I don't want to suggest that. But you look at what's going on around him, and, and what's the reason for his for his step back? You know he's just not getting it done. You know he's getting called for a lot of penalties, and yes, yeah, some of those are, are ticky tack penalties. You know you have to understand what's going on. Offensive linemen they, they they try and hold and grab as much as they can. He's getting caught more than he did a year ago. I don't think he's changed what he's done. I think it's just the offensive, or the, I'm sorry, the uh, the referees are just catching on a little bit more. Um, they're they're more attuned to what's happening, you know, in, inside the trenches there, and he's just not getting the benefit of the doubt on some of those play calls. So I think we got to see some changes in the bye week. I talked about the self scouting they're going to do. I, I really think Kyle Long, the best thing for him is to go back to the bench. the The week off didn't seem to help whether the hip injury is still bothering him. 
I don't know. He does not look like the same player he was early in his career. He is one of the older guys on the team, so maybe he's just at that age where he falls off. I mean, there is no no set in stone number when a guy's career kind of takes that that downward turn. Maybe Long was just there. Maybe the injuries have finally caught up to him, and maybe this is just what he's going to be going forward. It's unfortunate because I'm a really big Kyle Long fan. I've liked his career, you know, from the start. But at this point, I think it's time we see what Rashad Coward can do. I thought he looked pretty good in his limited snaps last week against the Vikings. He just plays the game with an aggression. He plays the game to the whistle. I know if you follow Olin Krutz on Twitter, he tweeted out a few of the plays from from Rashad Coward. And the one thing I noticed that really stood out, even when I was watching the film back, is I talk about his, his way he finishes. He finishes the play. Um, he he takes his guy and he wants to to put him down. You know, before the whistle goes, he he plays. He plays like you would expect a defensive lineman to play offensive line. He has that aggression in him. That's what you want to see. So maybe the Bears moving forward would be best bet to just let him work more at, at guard during this bye week, and maybe he's the starter moving forward. Uh, Charlie Brown asked uh, if the international aspect a bigger factor than expected, or was the defense just off today? I think it was a combination of, of the game plan. I'm not, I'm not sure if the jet lag came into effect. I know the Raiders started off hot. And the defense looked flat on Chicago. But again, how much of that is just the Raiders being so quick to get the ball out? It was, like I said, a great game plan by John Gruden. You know, we knew coming in, everyone knew coming in that they were going to get the ball out as quick as possible. I haven't seen the numbers here, the next-gen stats, but i got to imagine, you know, the, the snap to, to the ball getting out from Derek Carr was probably the quickest the Bears have faced all season long. They wanted to get the ball out as quick as possible. They did not want to get him touched because whenever Derek Carr is, is pressured, he tucks it away. He doesn't want to get hit. We saw him throw a few, a few away today when he had some pressure in his face, and he did a great job at that. Again, going back to situational football, those situations that he was in where he got, had to get the ball away, it was smart plays on his, on, his, on his part. It didn't kill any drives. It kept things alive. He'd much rather take, take a chance at getting the ball thrown out, and he threw him under the dirt. You know, He didn't make any chancy passes than take a sack, and with the Bears, they took four sacks. So situational awareness coming back to that is a big thing. Uh, Bears Rule 52 at Bears Rule 52. He actually had a three-part question. I'm going to try and go through these here. Um, at one point, we wait on, uh, do we stop waiting on Leno's high penalty rate to get better and consistently being beat? You know, I talked about it a little bit. I think it's, at this point, what do you do? I mean, who's Charles Leno's backup at left tackle? Uh, Cornelius Lucas. You know, we, we did see him play pretty good at right tackle uh, a couple weeks ago when Bobby Massey had the vertigo issue. But, He's not the quickest with his feet. You know, we, we see Charles Leno get beat. Lucas said the left side will get beat like a drum. He's just not a left tackle. The Bears don't have a young swing tackle on the roster right now they can go to, especially if Rashad Coward is now going to be a guy at guard. There's just no one on the roster. Charles Leno's your guy. He's going to be your left tackle for better or worse for the rest of the season. You got to hope O-line coach Harry Heastay can get things worked out with him. I can figure out what's going on with him because – he does have the talent to be consistent at that at the left tackle spot. He's not ever going to be mentioned in the elite category, but he's a decent left tackle when he's playing right. The problem is this year, he's not playing right. Uh, he also asked, uh, do I think the jet lag had an effect? I talked about a little bit uh, with the last question. It's hard to say because the Bears got there Friday um, morning. They practiced there Friday. They were there Saturday. They were there. The game was played on Sunday night. At one point, do you have to say that's an excuse and it's not an excuse? The Raiders flew out last Sunday. They've been there a week. 
You know, so I think however this game would have went, there could have been an excuse either way. Uh, had the Bears won, then you could have said, well, the Raiders flew out too early. Uh, the Bears lost, so now the Bears didn't fly it early enough. So there's really no good way around it. But at the end of the day, we're talking about an eight-hour flight, uh, first class. How, how much of a wear and tear on a body is that? A little bit, probably. Did it cost the Bears the game? I don't think so. And then his third question was, you know, why did the Bears' defense struggle against the run in London when they did so well last week against the arguably better Vikings running game? Man, I, I wish I had the answer for that. I think they just got they got, got bullied up front. You know, I, I tweeted out about it earlier. You know, the Bears' line on both sides of the ball was bullied all afternoon. They had no answer for what the Raiders wanted to do, and it's unfortunate because the Raiders do not have a very talented line. They're missing their starting right guard. You know, their left their left guard, Richie Incognito, is a veteran who's a, been a good player in his career, but he's, you know, in his 30s. You know, he's not the player he once was. They just got bullied up front. Do you want to blame it on the jet lag? I guess you could. Uh, you want to blame it on maybe they overlooked the Raiders. That's a possibility. But ultimately, I think that Raiders just executed better than the Bears did. And they pushed them off the ball. They, they run kind of a, a similar scheme with the, with the zone blocking stuff. And, you know, you saw them consistently move. The double teams worked. You know, I, we didn't see the, any of the big, uh, big flash plays from anyone on the Bears D-line today. Um, I think they just kept them off balance with a good game plan, a good mix of, of the run and the pass. So where does the blame fall? Like most of the stuff we've talked about today, uh, offense, defense, special teams, coaching, there's plenty of blame to go around on this one here. But that's all I can take, guys. Chicago Falls to 3-2 and two with the bye week coming up. Uh, Saints are up next. So, again, they got to do a little bit of self-scouting. they got to get things figured out. Uh, so uh, that's it. I'm going to go fire up the grill, throw out some steak and shrimp, and try and forget all about this loss because that was a tough one. Thanks for listening. Make sure you guys all subscribe to the WCG Podcast channel. Uh, you'll not only get my T-Formation Conversation podcast, but also Robert Schwinz's Bear With Me. Jeff Berkerson, E.J. Snyder's Bears Over Beers, and Bill Zimmerman's Bears Banter. So one podcast subscription, four shows, and the best thing is we are still free. Follow the entire WCG team on Twitter at WC Gridiron, and make sure you guys follow me as well on Twitter at WiltfongJR so you never miss a thing. So until next time, bear down, my friends.